0: Welcome to the Money Like Mike podcast, where I can show you how to stop living paycheck to paycheck, become debt-free, and live your definition of financial freedom. I'm your host, Mike Staunton, and I can't wait for you to dig into this episode. Let's do it. Today, I'm talking with Captain Phi. I wanted to bring him on because this is... Actually, one of my very first interviews I did on someone else's podcast, and he's inspired me. We've connected through the FIRE movement, through Financial Independence Retire Early, finances, hung out, we've stayed at each other's places, those kind of things have happened organically, which has been amazing, and he is a retired air transport pilot, and he now lives in Adelaide in South Australia, and he's passionate about financial independence, and he has a personal blog and it's captainphi.com and his journey of where he came from and where he, where he got to, allowing him to retire at 30 years old. So welcome, Captain.
1: Hey, Big Mike. Uh, good to be on the pod, mate. It's um, interesting. We've got a bit of a role reversal here.
0: Yeah, that's right, man. And it's great fun to be on this side as well. And um, we're just going to run through a few uh, questions that I have for you, yeah, sh- for my listeners and yours, just to get to know a little bit about each other.
1: Yeah, sounds great. I must admit, though, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit nervous being on the other side of the, of the microphone. Normally, I know all the questions I want to ask. So I'm sort of, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm winging this, Mike.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's right, everyone, that I didn't send these questions through. So these are going to be raw and real and from the heart. So let's get started.
1: Uh, hopefully I don't ramble too much mate you can always just edit me out if I do <laughs>
0: <laughs> thinking back I don't know five ten years ago in the beginning of your financial story or maybe even longer when and how did you get started like was there a, a, a moment in time that you had to go through and you realize oh shit I can't do this anymore or you just read someone's blog and like oh I really want to be a millionaire how did it start for you
1: um, so actually, it's a really good question, Mike. And I think a lot of people probably go down the same route that I did. So I, I mean, for people that haven't, um, aren't familiar with my, my story, I um, basically got into uni on a scholarship. So I was um, essentially being paid to study. So I had a massive advantage um, over, you know, people who have to take sort of loans out for their, their study. Um, I grew up in a single parent household. Um, My mom worked part-time big family. So um, she did everything she could to make ends meet. So, um, you know, we didn't, we weren't starving or anything. We had everything we needed, um, but certainly uh, was very good at living that frugal, frugal lifestyle. So combine a frugal lifestyle with, um, you know, I had fairly good grades. So I was able to get a scholarship uh, and, I did always have a little bit of surplus income, I guess, because everyone, when you do your budget, you know, you have your incomes, your out- outgoings, um, and then the difference. Ideally, you want to build that as much as possible to invest. Um, now, when I was younger, I didn't really know anything about investing, but I always had this goal to become a pilot. Um, and unfortunately, my scholarship wasn't in uh, flying. It was in engineering, um, which was still really, really interesting. And that education has stayed stood me in very good stead for my career as a pilot. However, it was quite expensive. Um, so I basically threw all my money uh, and the tally is somewhere north of 350,000 uh, bucks into getting uh, essentially an ATPL and instructor qualifications to the point, you know, you can go and, and fly professional uh, freight. So it, that, that took me a long time. And I think once I got to a point where I was no longer spending... Every spare dollar I had. And, you know, and I worked multiple jobs to afford flying lessons. When I basically got qualified as a pilot and I started to earn my first few paychecks as a pilot, going, Oh my God, I'm getting paid to fly. <laughs> I've spent the last, oh, God knows how many years paying to fly. I was like, Oh, I do need to be doing something with this money. I've never really been one to buy lots of crap. Uh, you see, my place, Mike. You know, it's <laughs> everything secondhand. And, you know, that's just me, right? I realized I needed to do something with the money. Now, I went down the route of a uh, you know online financial advisor. Uh, I invested in a, a managed fund. And um, I did that for a few years with some pretty lackluster results. So I won't go into too much about where the money actually was, which <laughs> <a> bank bank <laughs> was with. with but I got really sort of frustrated and I had, Oh God, how much? It it wasn't a lot of money, maybe $50,000 or so. And I realized I was getting the equivalent of about 4% yield uh, when, you know, the stock market was doing, you know, 10%. I thought, Oh my God, what's happening here? Um, So I withdrew it all and rather um, foolishly tried to buy an investment property uh, and load up on debt. And I don't know, like, it felt like it was unfortunate at the time, but it probably was fortunate for me. Um, my the agent who was selling the house was kind of screwing me over, trying to just get more and more money, I guess, uh, uh, for their offer. I mean, that's their job, really, isn't it? Trying to get the highest highest price for their um their client. Um, but so I got really frustrated at that. So I was, you know, I was really frustrated at, um, at managed funds with the bank. I was really frustrated at trying to do property. I had no idea what to do. Uh, And so, you know, I picked up. I think it was a a copy of the Barefoot Investor, and had to read, had to read it barefoot, Uh, and that was cool. That sort of showed me a bit more how to manage money and cash flows and everything, which was great. But it was a bit lackluster in terms of actually how do I start investing. Um, So it really got me down the rabbit hole. I joined the blueprint, the Barefoot Blueprint, and that that was actually awesome. Like, you know, I used to give him shit because. He would say, oh, you can't beat the market. Don't try and pick stocks. And then the blueprint was a stock tipping newsletter. Um, but I learned so much from that. So I'm actually really, really thankful to Scott Pape and, you know, his franchise, Barefoot Investor, really taught, taught me a lot of basic foundations about money. And it really switched on a bit of a passion for me. I don't know whether it's uh, my Scottish or my Chinese heritage, but, you know, I, I love anything to do with money, you know, I love getting the best deal. I love managing my money coming in, coming out. So having some, I guess, joining a group of people uh, that were interested in money, it was like, great. You know, this is like, I found my hobby. So as you sort of um, alluded to as well, yes, I discovered a whole bunch of awesome blogs online, Mr. Money Mustache, Mad uh, Scientist, go curry cracker uh rabbit Sethi, JL collins awesome um dave ramsey awesome listening to his show um i'm pretty sure you and el you can you guys can um pretty much uh off by heart do the entire intro sequence that those can't you mike
0: <laughs> yeah that's right and man i appreciate all that like everything you just gave us was yeah. all gold there's so much gold in those yeah. things and And man, I started with Dave Ramsey. Yeah, you're spot on. And Scott Pape, I I appreciate as well uh, here in Australia and his, um, his nine steps of building wealth over time. And it's really a beautiful thing that we can take in these things and who we relate with is who we listen to, right? So whoever's listening to this right now is listening to me and you have a conversation and they're resonating on some level. And it's just a beautiful way to continue to share and uh, get the content out there.
1: And- yeah, well, that, that resonated. That, the whole, you know, being in part of this sort of money tribe and I, I really it did resonate with me and I was really fortunate and I discovered a few uh, Australian uh, financial independence bloggers or fire bloggers. Probably one of the most influential ones for me was um, the Aussie Firebug. You know, he runs an awesome um, podcast. Uh, you know, email newsletter, writes monthly updates. And he was really who inspired me to put my money journey up online. And he even like, it was one of, my first, um, one of my first guests when I started my, my podcast. And so I have a lot to thank um, Aussie Firebug for. And it really just, it started sort of getting me accountable. Uh, and then through him, I discovered a couple of awesome ones in Australia as well. Um, uh, Dave from Strong Money Australia, um, Pat the Shuffler, awesome online blogs. Yeah. In fact, I think those guys even have their own podcast now, which is really entertaining. You listen to them uh, (laughs) rip rip shitty financial products apart. It's quite entertaining. That's
0: amazing. Yes. We all bring something to the table and let's just get back to what I want to focus on, which is the financial foundations. And you had said that you grew up in the frugal household and you watch your mom do these things and you actually spent up over uh, $350,000 to be able to eventually be paid to be a pilot. My question to you on those two things was, do you believe flying later once you finally got paid would have felt different if you did not pay for that upfront?
1: Well, who always says this work, work is better when you don't need the money. I think that's a I think that's another American. Say, no, that's he's Canadian, isn't he? Mr. Money Moustache. Yeah, work is better when you don't need the money. Look, it's a really interesting one, mate. I love flying. Okay. And don't tell my old boss this, but I would have done it for free. It is possibly the most fun you can have with your pants on. Um, or maybe you have to edit that out. I don't know if we're allowed to say that on the air. Look, I really enjoyed my flying career and Some of it was really hard work. Look, I'm not going to lie, like waking up at 3 a.m. or being still awake at 3 a.m. flying through the night, you know, those circadian lows. That's some of the most challenging flying I've done, like IFR conditions through, you know, challenging thunderstorms or sandstorms, that kind of stuff. Look, a lot of the people in the aviation industry, obviously a lot of the pilots I have had flown with in the aviation industry, you know, once you get to a professional level flying jet transport aircrafts, Uh, You know, it's relatively well paid. Like when you, people think, people always think pilots get paid amazingly. Like it's not, you know, when I finished up, you know, after 14 years in the workforce and having said that, I wasn't flying professionally that whole time. I did uh, switch jobs a few times, but you know, like think at 30 years old, 14 years in the workplace, I I was only earning about 160,000 with all my benefits and everything included. So it wasn't like 160 grand cash in hand. It was... You know, it was a lot less than that, but there were perks, you know, you get meal allowances and uh, you know, you get to stay in nice hotels and stuff like that. So, um, and then good health insurance and that through work. But so it's, it's still for the amount of work you're doing. It's not a lot of money. I think if you wanted to go and earn money, you would just, you know, start a website, or maybe you would learn accounting uh, or become like an actuarian or something you know, there isn't a lot of money to be made in aviation. It's probably something more that you have to be quite passionate about. It's something you really, really want to do. As I sort of progressed in my career and progressed through towards like financial independence, there were various things that sort of cropped up in my life. Um, My personal health issues, uh, my family's health issues, continuing to live interstate with two terminally ill parents was not something I could do. And so I was very, very fortunate, I guess, in that I had set up some solid money foundations. You know, we're talking 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that meant that now at 30, yes, I'm able to step away from the workforce and be with my parents. As, you know, as I said, I've got into running my own blog and podcast. And that's, again, because I'm passionate about money. really, really love the whole financial independence, everything it stands for. Um, But I sort of stumbled into running other websites as well. So uh, interestingly enough, I have a website on aviation. Um, I also love gardening. So I have a website on gardening. Uh, And you can actually make quite a, a decent income from running websites passively. So I guess, am I still, am I retired, quote unquote? Maybe yes, from flying. I still tinker a little bit with the websites. So it's a very long, long answer to your question. If I didn't have the money... Yes, I would still be flying, and I would be sacrificing my family uh, and my relationships for that for that job. So yeah, work is different when you don't need the money. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm with you, man. Uh, I agree, and that's as you were telling that story, that's how I was kind of gonna tie it all back to in together because if you would have been in a position, of let's say you took out $350,000 in loans just to be able to fly, then you start flying and get paid. Instead of having the feeling of, oh, what do I do with this extra money? You It would have to go back to that loan of whoever gave you the loan. It could be the government, student loans, whatever that is. And it gave me choices, right? I know this now, uh, you know this now and how we continue to evolve and improve and learn and grow and contribute you were able to do that through flying. Now you've taken a step back because of your personal health issues, uh, your family's health issues, other reasons as well. And I know your story a little bit more than most, I think is you are also planning for the family and the kids and the acreage and the build and to be there full time. And that's what the beautiful thing about the whole fire movement is in my opinion, but that's why, I came back and created this season of financial foundations because if you can't control you, if you can't tell your money where to go, if you can't get out of debt and stop living paycheck to paycheck, then you don't get to have these options and do yeah, the abs- things that abs- you really want to do.
1: Absolutely, Mike. The a- assets and passive income give you options. Debt takes options away. Yeah.
0: Yep. I love that. Now- you know, and
1: even... I was going to say, even, even, even not in Australia, you know, we said this, the two, well, the, well, the, the, the three major religions in, uh, in Australia, what is it, Christianity, Islam and property. <laughs> um, everyone's like, yeah, let's go, let's go get a million dollar uh, loan, bank loan for an investment property. And, and, you know, okay, there are smart ways to structure debt, but you don't need debt to become financially independent. And I did not use debt to become financially independent. I do have about $360,000 of debt uh, against an investment property that I've built. And that stresses me out all the time, man. Like, <laughs> I go, I need to make sure that I have income to service that debt. Otherwise, i am got to sell that property. And if the market goes down and the bank wants their money and I can't service the loan, I'm going to be forced to sell that property. So, quote, unquote, smart debt or good debt uh, can, can restrict you as well. You know, I've got loads of friends in the aviation industry who have, uh, you know, uh, port- property portfolios with, you know, nearly a dozen uh, properties in them. You know, they're earning $200,000, but they can't leave. They can't leave their job uh, until they sell those properties.
0: Yeah. And that's, why, that's what you've heard throughout this podcast. That's what you always hear me say for the rest of my life. I've been debt-free for 10 years now at this point in time, and I will never go back because of the feelings that are associated with that. Now, I know there's other people that do believe in good debt, bad debt. Me personally, I don't believe any good any debt is good debt. Now, that's my views, and you may be opposed to that, and that's okay. This is my life. This is why it's called personal finance, because each of us, or individuals, each of us are personal. Now, I wouldn't take it as far as the people that you just described of having 12 properties and making $200,000 a year, yet they can't leave because they're still living paycheck to paycheck because of all of those loans that they have to continue to service. And man, thank you for sharing that story. And hopefully that opens up a a few people's eyes of instead of having 12, just have two paid for, or, you know, one paid for whatever that means, get rich slow is what I want to share with others.
1: I I found it very interesting as well that my, my business uh, mentor uh, at the the moment, Matt Rod, he had quite a large property portfolio he often has said to people, just try, try living debt-free. Try, you know, either sell the house, sell your investment properties and rent or pay your house in full and just see what it feels like when you don't have any repayments noose around your neck, stressing you out. And, I, you know, I don't know how much I should really say about Matt. I don't know how much he wants me to talk about, but, you know, he's certainly in a position where he's not holding debt anymore. He's, um, he's told me that he... Is now more interested in things like real estate investment trusts rather than um, individual properties with a mortgage with a bank because he's just sick of dealing with the banks. You know, and th- this is someone who's very, very uh, wealthy and and very uh, influential and successful uh, in business. And if and if he's at that level, he's saying he doesn't want to deal with the banks. Then it's worth worth at least considering listening yeah. to.
0: And, and I agree with him. I don't even know him, but I agree with him because. Just try, I, t- I teach my clients, just try, get rid of the credit card You know, for three months, six months, whatever it is, try it. And then take the next step, try being debt free because we know, Matt knows, you can always go get another credit card. You can always go get another debt, another mortgage. Banks are there and that's why they have the biggest buildings is because we continue and they lend money out quite easily.
1: It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, the bank's always got a bigger building than you. There's a reason that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So on to my next question. Man, why do you believe that someone should gain control of their finances today?
1: Well, if you aren't in control of your finances, that means effectively someone else is. I wouldn't just jump out of the cockpit and go and sit down in the first class cabin and and have a champagne and, and, and just let it fly itself, right? That doesn't, sound, that doesn't sound a recipe for disaster. No, you, you know, again, going back to what we said earlier, you know, passive income and assets give you options and choices and debt takes them away. So if you get in control of your finances now, uh, your future self is going to be high-fiving you. It's going to say, oh, gee, I'm, I'm really glad that you had that delayed gratification I'm really glad you didn't max out your credit card. I'm really glad you routinely invested. Because look at look at me now, I'm financially independent, you know, and it, but if you don't get your shit sorted, you're never going to break out of that cycle. You're always going to be working to make someone else rich. You're always going to be working for your monthly repayments or your fortnightly payments it's just absurd like i mean i know you could have caught, caught me um taking a bit taken aback by that question because it's almost just like why would you not want to be in control of your life like how <laughs> i mean unless people just genuinely don't care then and I, you know i've seen you know i've seen friends and family who have for example struggle with mental uh, mental illness and addictions and when people are in that stage of life and they're depressed they literally just don't care And I think that can be how people can sort of get started to get trapped in these cycles. But I mean, who doesn't want to be healthy, wealthy, and in in control of their lives?
0: Beautifully said. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And like when I came up with a question or someone asked me the same thing, I'm, I'm like, well, why not now? Like whoever's listening to this, why not you? Why not now? you're hearing something you've stuck through the podcast to hear me with a nugget or hear captain with a nugget. Like there's something that you're still listening and you want to take away. So why not now? Why not try it? Why not go sign up for my free guide or go read captain's blog about the money side of things, the financial independence side of things. And the reason that I'm really enjoying this conversation is because he and I can both show you that it is possible. We're both in our 30s now, and we're financially independent, right? It's not that we have a $10 million net worth at the moment. Is it coming? Yes, I know that about each of us that that is coming down the road. But for us right now, we've reached a level of wealth, confidence, and control. We both know we're both frugal, but we also both can look in the mirror and tell ourselves no, right? Captain mentioned he had everything in his house was secondhand. That's how I live right? Very minimalistic style. And why? Why is it for myself? The reason is because it's opportunity costs. That's less money for me to invest. That's less money for me to go and travel with. That's less money for experiences. And that's what brings me joy. So if you're listening, answer this, pause it right now, answer this question. What brings you joy? Is it fortnightly repayments? Is it living paycheck to paycheck? Is it being so scared, you can't sleep at night because you got you're scared someone's going to call you for that mortgage repayment. What is it, or would it be getting rid of a credit card? Would it be getting debt free? Would it be learning and reading about investing and being able to create these assets and eliminate the debts? You've got to answer that for yourself.
1: You know, another another really big one, Mike, and I know this is really important to you is that you know I've seen you um, build your financial independence and be incredibly generous. Uh, And I don't know how much you've talked about this on your pod, but, you know, for people that are listening, you know, Mike is uh, sponsoring schools in Africa uh, and he's had, uh, you know, close friends come out and stay with him. uh, And he's working towards essentially helping some of the most vulnerable people in the world. And he's only able to do that because he's, because he started, he became financially independent and now he has a surplus to give. You know, if you, if you build your budget and cash flows in a, in a deficit, you're never going to be in a position where you can give and help. So, you know, that, that's, a big, that's a big thing for a lot of people. Uh, you know, it, I talk, we talk about how to reach financial independence. The first step is starting with why. So, you know, you've got to figure out why do you want to do this? Think of it. What do you know already? What are your values? What are your goals? What motivates you? Because uh, if you don't know, understand, or know what is driving you, it's gonna, things are going to be a lot harder. It's going to be a lot easier to just sort of give up. So I think probably starting with why and why not? I mean, I literally cannot think of a single reason why not to get started.
0: Amazing. I appreciate that, man. And, um, and, and that touched the heart. I do appreciate that. I I haven't talked about the giving side of things in the pod yet. So great, great time. I mean, we're actually recording this two days before Christmas. One of the best, biggest giving periods of every single year. And man, it is, you're spot on. Like what I teach my clients is just start giving, all right? And that's with 10% of your income. That's what I do. You don't have to start with five, start with 1%, just start doing something. And if it's not with money, eh, use time. That's okay as well. I have been able to give the level of wealth that I've been able to give, uh, or the money side of things, including my time, actually, now that I think about it, is in the last five years, once I got started on exercising my giving muscle, man, I've given more in the last five years than I had my previous 30 combined. It's been unbelievable. And all because I got started, right? Why not now? I got started learning about money 15 years ago and I've continued to grow every single year, every single month, every single week. And even now I'm learning and I'm growing, right? Thanks Captain for the shout out of my generosity and me being on the board of a, a charity that is going to be building schools in Tanzania. I wouldn't have been able to do that if I had not got started. And I don't know who has to hear this, but you don't have to build schools in Tanzania. Maybe you just want to be nice to your family. Maybe you want to buy extra Christmas goods. Maybe you want to uh, help your neighbor out, cook meals, do it locally. And that's beautiful as well. You don't have to go international for these types of things. So I appreciate that wisdom, which I think, anyway, ties into the next question of what is the number one thing of where to start when you don't know anything about money? And if I can paraphrase what you've said is just start.
1: Exactly, mate. Just start. You know, I would say is if you could just, um, you know, if, if people want, okay, they can say, oh, well, that's, well, what should I actually do then? Okay. Log onto your bank and print out your last three months of your bank statements. Grab yourself a pen and a highlighter and a ruler and just old fashioned go through go through it line by line okay there are plenty of apps and cool money trackers and there's a lot of really cool tools out there but when you're first getting started nothing beats just printing off your bank statement you know make sure you're using your card to pay for everything like because then that way it's all captured right and then just you know do that for a few months and then go through your go through your statements have a look have a look exactly where your money is going because i think once you've actually started yeah and you've you've found your why your, your y of Phi <laughs> you then can basically move on to the next step which is budgeting. So you have to you have to understand some of your cash flows and look when, um, when I was in engineering you know um, we there's this concept of, of an iterative procedure right So no one is ever going to get the perfect solution on the first run um, and that's why we have drafts. And that's why we have iterative procedures. So, you know, the first time you're going through your bank statements, you might miss a few things or, you know, you might categorize some things in wrong areas or, you know, but the next time you do it and the next time you do it and the next time you do it. And, you know, yeah, you might you might blow your budget a little bit when you go shopping because you really want to buy some prawns for, for Christmas because it's, you know, it's just Christmas. The next week, maybe you're not going to go as full-on. So it's just all about test and adjust, test and adjust, iterations, iterations, iterations. As as you get more proficient, you'll probably tend to rely less and less on the budget and more on just tracking the expenses. So, and look again, personal finance, very, very personal. I categorize my expenses into basically three levels of purchase. It's like the essentials to survive stuff that you want to have to live comfortably that's to thrive and then your luxuries right and that's living your rich life if you want an example from me you know i don't do this anymore but for you know as long as i can remember my my survive essential budget for food was 30 bucks a week and it might not sound like much and i know a lot of you know, families are like horrified when I say that, but, you know, I was a single guy. All right. No, I I worked a lot. So I did get some free meals, (laughs) Uh, but basically a whole food plant-based diet cost me about 30 bucks a week. Now, when I wanted to start to thrive and live a bit more comfortably, that went up to about, you know, 50, $60 a week where I'd buy a lot of fresh fruits, tropical fruits and all sorts. And then, you know, these days, I I'm living my rich life, Mike. I, I'm, you know, I spend about a hundred dollars a week now on groceries and, you know, I, I do buy some cheeses every now and then, and sometimes some convenience foods um, or like, you know, living in the city here in Adelaide, I go and hit up a local cafe. So, you know, it's all about what works for you. And the reason why I'm able to go and, and, and live that rich life with my food budget now is because I, I live my essential budget. For, for many 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 years, so yeah, so that's probably my second second step about laying your foundation is is budgeting,
0: and that's amazing. And I'm very similar. Uh, I would say I will probably eat more than you uh, now. Oh, that-
1: I know I know exactly how much you eat, Mike. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, so if any for anyone who hasn't actually seen Mike, he's about six foot one hundred, and he I, and he's I think he's got hollow legs, and so it's impossible to satisfy this guy.
0: Yes. I I would say that uh, Ellen and I definitely have a decent budget. Uh, It's not on your level, but uh, we spend $600 a month on food for the two of us. And we believe that we, and Ellen and I had a conversation, she could easily survive on $200 a month. Easily. So I'm eating $400 a month of our budget. So. Yes, I'm with you. And I, I appreciate you sharing that. You know, you went from $30 a week with yeah, okay. Meals, some meals were provided at work. Then you graduated to $50 a week and now a hundred. So I want you to hear if, oh, oh I can never live on hundred dollars a week on home food. Bullshit. Captain and I have both done it. I've both both of us have been through those seasons. It is possible. I mean, you even mentioned that you had a, you loved the garden. You had a garden block. I know you eat from your garden, Captain, and someone else can do the same. It's not impossible. So don't tell me you can't eat on hundred dollars a week. It's bullshit. We're telling you, you can, it is possible. Now, is it forever? No. Captain just told you he went from $30 a week to a Right? That is three times he's increased his, his food budget. That's beautiful. We're not saying this is forever. It's temporary to meet a goal. Right? Your goal may be to get out of debt. Captain's goal was to become financially independent. Right? Whatever that goal is, you can do it as well. Now, this leads me to the final question. And be as open as you want to be. I know you're quite open on the blog, but would you share where you are now or share where as much as you're comfortable sharing with the audience of how you went from $30 a week in food to 100 and what's happened over the last 10 or 15 years?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I kind of mentioned uh, earlier how I'd sort of changed lanes a few times, sort of was investing in this managed fund, which sort of, as it turns out, was quite high fee, um, you know, tried property, tried to get investment property and it didn't sort of didn't work. Well, once I'd laid my basic foundation and I had surplus income, I, I actually started stock picking you know shock horror dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh this was so silly like i bought nearly thirty thousand dollars of a stock because i read in this newsletter that it was a buy and it was called Affic, the australian foundation investment company i think it and um, as it turns out, it's what's called a listed investment company. It's, um, you know, not, not a bad way to invest. You know, I'm not endorsing it or, or recommending or not recommending it. I held it for a number of years. But when I first bought it, I had no idea what I was doing. I thought it was actually like a concrete manufacturer, like like a cement, like, oh, they're the foundation investment company. So maybe they, you know, they build all the foundations for all the buildings. Like I had no idea. and I, I look back and I think... I was so silly and naive and I can't believe I just made a huge investment without doing proper due diligence. But I'm glad I did because it got my foot in the door and, again, it's never going to be perfect the first time. So that was not my finest hour, but it got some skin in the game and I became more and more interested. I kept reading through all the blogs that we mentioned, listening to the podcasts, reading more books, you know, uh, to the point where, uh, you know, I, I like I said, I, I felt like I found my tribe. I was really passionate and learning about money. I have sort of read over 100 books on personal finance. And, you know, some people like oh, their eyes glaze over and they go, oh, I couldn't think of anything worse. But for me, I was like, no, no, I, I have some skin in the game. I'm an investor now. I need to learn how this works. So it was really just throwing myself at it, basically jumping in with my two left feet. So AFIC, it, as it turns out, pays, you know, like a dividend. And I can't remember how much my first dividend from them was. It wasn't a tremendous amount of money, but, you know, I think it's, you know, usually around three or 4%. So whatever that is, maybe it was like $500 or something. And I was like, I was chuffed. I thought it was, that, that was like, it rewired my brain, Mike. I was like, I just got free money for doing nothing. And so as I um, slowly, incrementally learned a little bit by little bit by little bit. And, you know, I am not an expert. I'm not a guru. Okay. I'm just a, like, a, just a dude. Like, yep, I had a professional job. I didn't have any formal training or qualifications with money, basically making it up as I go along. Had a blog where I basically explained what I'm doing because, you know, the old adage if you ask for help, People, you know, most people ignore you. But if you post something that's wrong, oh, they'll be super quick to correct you. Right. So I was posting all of my money mistakes, all of my money moves. And essentially, I was getting like free critiques from like financial advisors online. I was like, hell yeah. But mate, it just, it was just years and years of, of slow incremental uh, investments. You know, these days, I now focus on exchange traded index funds, uh, which are you know, and, and sort of low cost uh, managed funds through through robo advisors and, you know, talk all about it on the blog. Um, and I basically publish all of my investments, all of my money moves. Um, so, if, you know, if people are stuck and they go, oh, what, sh- what, what should I do? You can come and have a look at what I've done. Like I said, you know, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just a guy publishing what I do. So, you know, be careful if you copy me and I don't know, if something goes wrong, we could all, all lose our money. But I think there's probably, um, if we lose all your money and you're investing in index funds, it probably means it's a zombie apocalypse or something. Um, but yeah, Mike, so I just kept consistently investing and slowly but surely the dividends um, got bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, and I got it to a position where I could cover, I call it lean fire or single fire. Um, where I had enough money to basically cover my bills on a very basic uh, basic existence, all right? And look, not everybody wants to live a basic frugal existence. But the longer you stay working and the more money you save and invest, the higher your passive income. So, you know, you can then sort of have a bit more disposable income in early retirement what really accelerated it for me, and this is probably opening a whole new uh, Pandora's box, was, as I mentioned earlier, uh, websites and online business. So I started my, my pilot blog uh, y- years ago, um, just talking about aviation because I was very passionate about it. Uh, then I started Captain Fire and I started a few other sites. And they actually do provide me enough income now that I'm able to continue saving and investing even though I'm not flying full-time. That's allowed my dividend uh, investments to continue to grow. Uh, And it's also allowed me to diversify uh, into an investment property, which uh, was it the best money move. I'm not sure. Uh, Leave that one up to you to decide. It's certainly been a lot more work than the index funds. But yeah, that's basically... Where I'm at today, you know, I'm able to basically cover my rent, cover my cost of my car, cover cost of my food. I can go out and do fun stuff, and I can also help out family, all because I made some sacrifices earlier on in my career.
0: Yeah, man, I love that, and very similar to my story of uh, opportunity cost, and you know, like you said, sacrificing for the now and the older self. Will appreciate it, and you're already reaping the benefits, as am I. Right? And I'm glad that we got started early enough. And wherever you are on your journey, today is the day to get started, whatever that means. If you have to go to captainfi.com and read his blog and figure out what he's been doing and see the mistakes that he's made, but also the things that he's done right, and pick out what you like, right? That's the whole point of blogs. The whole point of listening to this podcast. Pick out the things you like and discard the things you don't like, because we're all individuals, man. And we're here to serve and we're here to share our story. And that's why I really love this conversation. And my final question, I mean, after all of these amazing tips that we've, that you've shared with us, Captain, my closing question is, what does freedom mean to you?
1: So uh, freedom to me means being able to spend my time however I want. And look, it does sound, maybe that sounds a bit selfish, but when you think, if I want to spend my time helping someone, I can go and do that today. So actually at the moment, I have my nephew, I have my nephew over and, and my dad is, is staying with me over Christmas. Um, because I don't have to go, I'm not beholden to an employer. you know. I, I'm not living in a share house. I can have family come and stay with me and it's not an issue. And I can go and help other family members build, build their garden. I can go and help people sort out their finances. I can write about what I'm passionate about. I can focus on my health. I can focus on eating good food. And I can focus on putting myself out there and, and hopefully meeting a partner that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. That's what, that's what freedom means to me. That's what financial independence has given me back.
0: Amazing. I love everything that you just mentioned and defined. and I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, I love that. And I love having my time freedom and, and flexibility to be able to do the very same things that you're doing right now.
1: And I think, I think, yeah, financial independence to me means laughing at someone when they ask you to be somewhere before 9 a.m. <laughs>
0: I'm with you, man. I'm with you. And the funny <laughs> thing is, I've never gotten up earlier. Now that I don't have to be up, I <laughs> yeah. get up with the sun. Where before yeah, I had to set an alarm for 8:30 to be at work at night.
1: That's the other thing. I I it's done wonders for my mental health. Like not being jolted awake with some horrible ringtone or alarm, uh, and just waking up with the with the circadian rhythm.
0: Man, is there anything else you want listeners to know about you, where to find you, those kind of things? Please share.
1: Oh yeah! Look, if you guys want to find me, just whack it into Google. Um, I do. uh, I'm on social media as well, so just um, you know, just Google Captain Fire or look up Captain Fire, and I'm I'm sure I'll pop up. Before we finish up, I just want to reiterate: to become financially independent, it's it's not difficult. It's not easy. It doesn't happen overnight. There's a very few simple steps, and I just want to outline those steps for people. Um, So the first step is. Understand your why. Why are you doing this? The second step, make a budget. So we said print out at least three months of your expenses. So make all of your expenses on a debit card or, God forbid, a credit card if you have one. As long as you pay the balance off people. Um, don't, Don't carry a balance month to month. Print out your statement and have a look. Use that to start building your budget and tracking your expenses. Third step, make sure you've got a buffer, okay? Have an emergency fund of at least a couple of thousand dollars, at least, okay? The fourth step, cover your bum, all right? Make sure you've got insurance and protections in place. Now, this is something um, that's not really talked about a lot in the personal finance community, but insurances are important, okay? Especially if you have dependents or you're caring for vulnerable people, uh, or if you do have debt and you're living paycheck to paycheck, you better hope that you have got income protection insurance because if uh, if you lose your income, you're screwed, yeah? So make sure you've got appropriate insurances and you may need to talk to a financial advisor about that. The fifth step, dip a toe, become an investor. As Mike said, start now. Just dip a toe, put a small amount of, money into an investment. Even if that's if that's $500 through a conventional chess-sponsored broker, go for it. If that's $5 through a micro-investing platform, do it. Okay? $5 is enough to get you interested and have some skin in the game, and that'll link back to your first step, the Wi-Fi. It'll get you motivated. Okay? Step six, reduce your expenses. Linking back into the budget and step two, what you're going to do now is be mindful about your expenses, you know, but still have fun. Try play game. Try cutting them back 5% a month, 10% a month until you reach your target budget. There are so many tips and tricks online that you can get, which is going to teach you to reduce your expenses. Okay. Step seven, boost your income. The most simple way to get an to boost your income is to work more and negotiate a salary, negotiate a pay rise, a promotion. If you want, you can double down and get a side hustle. There are some lucrative side hustles, but to be honest, a lot of side hustles will distract you from your main income producing activity, which is uh, the job that you've trained and are qualified for, okay? Now, those last two steps, reducing your expenses and boosting your income, that's going to widen what we call the wealth gap. That's the the income that you're going to have left over at the end of the day to start investing. Okay, which is what you use for step eight, paying off debt. Okay, You want to pay off debt as soon as possible. And Mike has got some really good resources on his website uh, and on his social media about paying off debt. So have a look at the debt snowball or the debt avalanche techniques and work out what is suitable for you. Step nine is boost that emergency fund. Get it up to about six months of living costs. Okay, so you're going to start with a couple of grand, then you're going to boost it up to about three to six months of living costs. Then the last step is get serious about investing. Okay, so you got to keep learning about investing. You've really got to start boosting your your savings rate. And uh, that's really all there is to reaching financial independence. And don't forget, go back to step one and start the process all over again uh, if you need because it's an iterative procedure, no one's perfect. The more practice we have, the better we're going to get at it. That's uh, that's really all I can say on how to reach financial independence, Mike. Uh, I'm really thankful that you've um, invited me onto onto the pod today, mate. I really hope um, your listeners have have got something out of it, and it's always good to have a chat. You guys are going to have to come visit me in uh, Adelaide, mate. Now I've got my new bachelor pad set up.
0: Man, I appreciate all the nuggets that you shared with everyone, and sharing a little bit more about your background, your story, and everything. And man, certainly, we definitely want to come visit. And I think it's uh, overdue. It's been quite a few months now.
1: Absolutely, there's some beautiful, uh, beautiful cycling tracks around uh, around Adelaide, and I don't know about cycling up Lofty. That's uh, that's that's pretty intense. I reckon you'd probably be able to do it, but I don't think I could.
0: <laughs> oh we'll, we'll be able to find out in due time my man
1: yeah awesome mate um well once again thanks very much it's it's been an absolute pleasure
0: thanks for listening if you enjoyed this show or found value in this episode the number one thing you can do is subscribe rate and review this podcast i can't wait to see you in the next episode